Um, so today on American Conversations, we have Brax Hudson, who lives in Delaware here in the United States. And Brax owns the studio, uh, a Brax's Studio of Art in Lewis, Delaware. And as an artist, he became very concerned about COVID and where it was going and just the turn of everything that happened in 2020 and now going into 2021. Brax, first of all, thank you for joining us today. Sure. Thank you, Christine. Uh, and um, tell us exactly what the Delaware Medical Freedom Alliance has, how it got started, how you got involved, and what you guys have um, attained because you've been you've held these town halls all over the little state of Delaware, which is Joe Biden's home state. Exactly. So the Delaware Medical Freedom Alliance has actually been in existence for years. And the motto is basically simple. Where there is risk, there must be choice. Uh, what happened was early in COVID, I became very involved with what I call the freedom resistance. And at one of the rallies, I met the founder of the Delaware Medical Freedom Alliance. We'll call it DEMFA for short. Uh, Jeremy Mayla his name. And uh, we just we really hit it off. And I found out what they were up to. And I said, hey, man, I want to get involved. And we uh, brainstormed, and we, we kept saying, how do we get information out there? What do we do to counter the narrative, right? The propaganda is so heavy from every direction. What and this, do we is do the pro this is the propaganda about the COVID. Correct, sorry, yes, the, the COVID propaganda. We just, so many of us are well aware that there are nonstop lies coming out, you know, bad data, uh, bad information on what you can do to treat, uh, a lack of information on what you can do to stay healthy. And we kept saying, how do we get information directly to the public without the media filtering out what we believe to be the truth? And so we decided to do these town hall events. And it was pretty amazing, really, once we put the information out there and said, hey, we want to do a town hall. We want to have doctors, scientists, attorneys, anyone who's willing to talk about what they're seeing and anyone who is willing to really tell what they're seeing. That's a big deal, right? Because there are a lot of people that are terrified of speaking. So we put the word out and our first event was amazing. We had about 10 panelists. Uh, this was on June 7th. And 2022 or, I mean, not 2022, 2020 or 2021? I'm sorry, uh, June 7th, 2021. Okay. And we had about uh, 10 panelists and we had about 300 people in attendance at the event. And two things were amazing. Number one, it was just so great to hear the truth confirmed that all of us felt in our hearts. And number two, to look around the room and realize you're not alone was so wonderful for so many people. That was the big takeaway. People would say, oh my God, I have felt so isolated. I felt that things are not right. I felt what we're being lied to. And so to come to this event, have actual professionals say what I'm feeling, you know, the, the other side is always saying, trust the experts, trust the doctors. But we have our experts and doctors too, and we prefer to trust them because our intuition tells us that they are more in alignment with the truth. So what was it? What was the message that you were hearing from the that your audience was hearing from the panelists that night? The first one, the first event you did. So the first event really, you know, we were discussing COVID is a full spectrum deal, right? It's a full spectrum, nonstop information barrage that we're all trying to sort through. And one of the big issues early on, and back in, on June seventh at this first meeting, was this: What can we do? to fight the narrative? What can we do to push back against it? We know it's not, we know it's not completely real what we're being told. We know that the shots are hurting people. We know that the shots are actually killing people. We know what's really going on because a lot of us have firsthand accounts of people in our families who are healthy and they would get the shot and all of a sudden some terrible health outcome occurs. Meanwhile, we're being told 
safe and effective, right? So to have doctors and scientists say, yeah, you know, we've got some very big concerns. The spike protein that the shot body is cytotoxic and we need to sound the alarm on this. And why is this not being spoken of? Why, why is everyone being told the shots are safe and effective with no discussion of the risks? And why is there no risk benefit analysis? So why, who are some of the people you had on your first panel? Okay, so uh, Dr. Robert Malone, uh, many believe he was the one of the primary founders of the mRNA vaccine technology. Um, you know, like any discovery, there's a leapfrog that occurs, right? A leapfrog of awareness, right? So he was a definite big part of the mRNA discovery. And that's what's being used in the Pfizer Moderna shots. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, um, he said, listen, I'm only going to talk about your rights to not be forced into a medical experiment. He said, listen, I'm not going to talk about the science of the shots. I don't believe you'll win that argument. And quite honestly, I'm too connected to the government to talk about that. So we're going to talk about your rights. That's it. And we talked about that. And uh, a lot of the doctors on the panel that night said, listen, you know, we want to talk about uh, the actual science of the shots. We're very concerned. And uh, Dr. Malone said, listen, we're just going to talk about rights tonight. You're not going to win that argument. And uh, what was really interesting is after that first Why event, did he say that? Why did he say you're not going to win the rights of the, 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 the science argument? Uh, quite honestly, I think he was concerned um, with the ramifications and the blowback of really exposing what he knows and believes. Because what happened was after that first meeting, he emailed us and said, well, your bravery has inspired me. I can no longer be silent. And soon after that is when he did the interview with Steve Kirsch, uh, the Dark Horse podcast. And that's when he really started sounding the alarm on the shots saying, listen, there are some concerns here. You know, there's no long-term data. We're concerned about the spike protein. We need to really look at this. There's got to be a risk-benefit analysis. And here we are now, December 7th, right? So that was June 7th. Uh, We are now, geez, what is that? Six months later, still no risk-benefit analysis is being done. Uh, As a matter of fact, just before I hopped on this call today, there was an update from the Delaware Department. Division of Public Health, sorry, let me start over again. Before I hopped on this call today, there was an update from uh, the state of Delaware. So the Division of Public Health, uh, Dr. Rute and Governor Carney were online saying, listen, the shots are safe and effective. Everyone needs to get the booster if possible. We need everyone vaccinated. Get your kids vaccinated. The shots are safe and effective. There are no side effects to the shots. They're completely safe. Don't believe the adverse event stories. Don't believe it. They're safe. You've got to stop. This is, the go- this is the governor of Delaware. This is the governor of Delaware and Dr. Rite. And they're saying the shots Who's are Dr. Rite. She is the, uh, you know, the head doc in Delaware. She is the head of uh, division the of department Public- of health. Right. Okay. And they said this publicly. I mean, was this a press call? Was this a you know, community press, call? Press conference on YouTube today. Okay. She's- Right. Get the shots. They're safe. There are no side effects to the shots. And that's a lie. That's a lie. That's that's like when some people in Fauci circle telling me back in June that uh, any and I had already started talking to Vax injured. The Fauci's people were telling me these are urban legends when in fact that they're real people, they're not statistics and they have multiple injuries and they have had them for over a year. Exactly. It's truly amazing. And this is the kind of information we discuss at our meetings. You know, we tell people about the open bear system. We talked about how it was studied and they found about 1% of adverse events to be reported. So we don't know really how many adverse events we are at now. Um, the actual number is in excess of 900,000, in excess of 19,000 dead. 
And we really don't know what the real numbers are because I can tell you this, I know a lot of doctors and nurses who no longer submit reports to VAERS because they believe there is clearly no threshold to pull the shots off the market. And they're very concerned about that. And they're also concerned about losing their jobs. So they're saying, why risk putting a report out there that's going to jeopardize my job when no one seems to care how dangerous these shots are? And that's a well, very- let, me, let me ask you this. Do you, do you, and, and you, this, the, when you talked about your June event, that was the first of how many have explained to the audience how many you've done so far across the state of Delaware, which is very small. So, I mean, you're, you're covering ground. How many events? Right. So, yes, we've had seven town hall events now. Each one we have 250 to 400 people in attendance. They're very well. People love what we're doing. So do you do you think that that you guys are making inroads in Delaware and that was the reason why the governor and, the, and this other doctor got on, had a press conference today? Do you think that there's any link to that? Because I know that when uh, Todd Wood and I participated with Mary Holland and some other people, you know, several weeks ago at one of your events, there was some positive press, even though that the news article diminished the number of people that were in the room. But do you, do you think that because you've gotten some positive press and people are hesitating getting shots, that that's why the governor did this? I mean, did you get any lead time for this? No, I would say they do the updates on a constant basis. Uh, but the real reality is that their data, uh, we were very concerned with the veracity of it. As a matter of fact, today I spoke to a, uh, a representative here in Delaware who said, listen, who's, who's data? You're talking about the Delaware, the Delaware state data? The official data from the state is a very big concern to many of us who are paying attention. Number one, you can go on the state website right now and it says, are you ready for this? 102.5% of people over 65 have had at least one shot. <laughs> so several months ago, they were at 100%, which we know that to not be true based on how many people we know that haven't had the shots. They said 100% of everyone over 65 has had at least one dose of the vaccine. Now, once you're at 100%, you've got nowhere to go but up, right? So I guess they figured they'd keep raising that number. So that could be a human error of a typo, but it but it is interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So what is the what, what is the feedback that you're getting? I mean, you're getting are you getting new people in the room each time you do this because you're changing locations across the state? Yeah, we are. So we do a lot of events up in northern Delaware. We've got a very solid facility up there, and uh, some of our events are down south. But there's a higher population density up north, and a lot of people up there that are really looking for support. Traditionally, uh, Southern Delaware is a little bit more conservative. And uh, there are a lot of people up in Northern Delaware that feel very isolated and alone. Um, not that we are a Republican or a Democrat group, you know, we're very much uh, liberty-minded people. But right now, as you're well aware, people that are on the conservative side or the Republican side quite often are more uh, focused on individual liberty and less on uh, you know, the collectivist mentality of everyone must do this and everyone must do that. So the people that are kind of on the side of liberty up north, uh, we feel like they need some support. And that's why we've been focusing a lot of our events up in northern Delaware. What about the uh, the minority community? What, what about uh, Hispanic and the, the black leadership in the, in the state of Delaware? Have they come into your tent to at least listen? Uh, somewhat. Uh, we're still looking to get into some other communities out there. Uh, we have done some community outreach and we found that the black community was very much uh, hesitant as far as the vaccines go, or the, the injections, the shots, whatever you want to call them. I'm sorry? There's a lot of discussion as to whether or not these should be referred to as vaccines, as you know. 
Well, they're, yeah, they're not the traditional vaccines. I mean, the, 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 everybody can establish that no matter how many times everybody wants to change the definition of the vaccines, whether it's at uh, the CDC, the FDA, you know, Miriam's dictionary, these are not traditional vaccines. These are these are gene therapy products um, that are attached and they're resold as vaccine shots. And we now know as of two and a half weeks ago, Bill Gates and Fauci both said that they had to do more work on vaccines because, uh, you know, the trans, it doesn't prevent the ones that are being given now do not prevent the transmissibility um, of COVID, the disease, nor does, does it prevent you from getting the disease. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it was not marketed well and it didn't, it doesn't match what it was marketed for. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, the effectiveness was oversold and the uh, adverse events are still being undersold, I believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. So t tell us when when you've done this now for six months, are there certain messages that resonate with your audience over others? I would say the most common piece of information that people are very grateful to hear is uh, that COVID is not a death sentence for everyone. Right. And that's really what I see as the common theme among the people who I would say are kind of on the opposite side of us. So the people that are all for the mandated shots, the common theme seems to be they believe that COVID is a death sentence and the shots are safe and effective. And so the big takeaway that we like to tell people is simply this. If you want to stay healthy, that would be a great way to. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me scratch that. Oh, go on. Sorry. Um, basically, we like to inspire people to stay healthy and we pass out information on what they can do to uh, basically have a kit in their house in case they get sick. And quite honestly, the, uh, the information we provide is effective not only for, the co for COVID, or it's also effective for the flu, uh, the common cold, whatever it is that we all get in the winter. Right? We like to share the information that we have found to be valuable based on our research in order to stay healthy. And so, Basically, that kind of information would be vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc. Uh, you want a zinc ionophore. Uh, quercetin is something very good you can buy at the health store. It helps to increase the zinc bioavailability. Famotidine or pepsid helps to uh, slow down the cytokine storm. And uh, there are some other issues uh, that, are, that are very important. Melatonin for sleep, and also it has some uh, anti-COVID mechanisms of action. So there are things that we can do, we can have on hand, because when you get sick, most importantly, you wanna act quickly and, and knock it down before it really gains traction in your body. And there's a very common theme that, that we personally, we all believe is uh, not okay. And that is simply this. If you get sick, call your doctor. He says, go get tested. You get tested, you pop positive for COVID. And the common theme that 99% of doctors will tell you is this go home, and if it gets worse, go to the hospital. And that's a very big concern for us because there are a lot of doctors from all over the world that are saying, listen, the key to COVID is to treat it early. And so to deny the importance of early intervention, we believe is criminally negligent. Doctors have one job, that's to heal the patient. They work for the patient. So for so many doctors to be basically blind to the reality of this, it's, it's very concerning for us. So we are filling that void. We're giving important information for people they can use to stay healthy. And that's, I think, the most important takeaway. If you treat it early, COVID is very treatable 
for most people. You know, if you've got five comorbidities, you know, if you've got a lot of underlying conditions, get healthy. And if you are unhealthy and you can't do anything about it, it's more important that you treat early versus just letting it ride. Because once the racehorse has left the barn, it's very hard to pull it back in, right? That's the, really the, the idea. So if you get sick and you let it ride for five, six, seven, eight days, and by that point you're in a bad way, that's, that's not okay. And so now you're saying, there's nothing I can do. All I can do is go home and get worse. And then when I'm at death's door, go to the hospital. Uh, we just believe that's completely irresponsible. So when you have people come to your events, do they, do they re do they return and bring some more new uh, friendly faces to you? I mean, are you, are you seeing sort of a, a crowd swell from the same people that, you know, show up at your events that, then at latter events? Yeah, we absolutely do. We have a very loyal following. Our people really love what we're doing. And as we all know, there's such a void of information. And luckily, there have been a lot of town halls and councils, uh, you know, various COVID councils that have popped up around the country now. It's a very regular thing. And it's really nice to see people need information that's going to keep them healthy. And they want the truth about what's happening in the COVID era. So let's so, talk about what's happening in the schools to the kids because they're targeting the kids now. And, and, and you know, my, my concern has been always for the protection of the kids. Parental mm -hmm. rights are not nuked, that the parents have the safe to it. But now, you know, we're living in a world of mandatories, uh, shots. So what's going on in Delaware in terms of masks, the school, targeting kids, parents' response to that? Uh, is that part of the conversation with your group? It absolutely is. You know, the top-down order is that all kids need to wear masks in schools. Uh, they've kind of pulled the power away from the local parents, the local school boards. So there's a lot of pushback. Uh, some of the schools have said, listen, uh, the parents want to have input, and their input is they're tired of the masks. They want their kids to be able to breathe freely. They know the kids are not at great risk from COVID, and they really do see this as a complete control mechanism. You know, by now, the adults have had a chance to have their shots, so let the kids live, let them be. They don't need this. They don't need the experimental shot. There's no long-term safety study of the shots. You know, like one of the scientists said at one of our meetings, you know, basically numbers of people involved in a study does not equate to long-term data. So you can't really fake that. And there have been no long-term animal studies. You know, they can do multi-generational studies with lab rats or ferrets or mice, but they've either not done those studies or they're suppressing the results of them. So they keep saying well, that they, ha they have done some earlier animal studies on mRNA, but that's over a decade ago and they didn't look so good. That's why they stopped them. But we're, we're going to leave the clinical trial protocols to, to another person who actually is an expert on that. But what about what about the the parents in, in Delaware reacting to the mandatory shots for children now? Are they concerned? I mean, is it is it can you can you see their concern out there in the public? Yeah, there are a lot of people that are very concerned for sure. Uh, apparently, we have one of the lowest uh, childhood vaccination rates in the country uh, as far as the COVID shots go. So there's a lot of hesitation among the parents in Delaware for sure. Now, there are a lot of parents that say, oh my goodness, I cannot wait for my newborn child to be eligible for the shots, right? So we have across the board, you've got all manner of people from both sides. And it really, it all comes down to fear. And that's really one of the main items we like to focus on at our town halls. I call it ratcheting back the fear. So if people know there are things they can do to stay healthy, there are things they can do to treat early, 
you start to ratchet back that fear. And then you say, well, you know, now that I'm not so terrified of COVID, maybe I shouldn't enroll my child in this medical experiment. And that's really what we're trying to figure out is how do you get our information out beyond our echo chamber? Because quite often, you know, you're reinforcing information that we already know with our group of people, but we really need to get it out beyond our echo chamber because the other side of this discussion, they're so entrenched and, uh, you know, they've got the media on their side and, People. Let's talk about the local media then. Uh, where's the where's the local media in Delaware? I mean, you you've got Wilmington, but then you've got the local stations in some of these beach towns. But where where does it stand? So uh, very left leaning for sure, and uh, you know, in this era, that that means leaning into the side of control. Although interestingly enough, we have definitely had some reporters cover our events, and after our events, they have thanked us for opening their eyes. That has now happened with three different reporters. And I won't mention names, but I can say that it's a it's a big win for us for sure, because and the, the, how and what, how was that how was their coverage reflected on your event though? Okay, so at one of our events, we had a reporter. Um, I was told he was an ally, so we have a reporter come to one of our events, and he wrote a pretty strong hit piece against our event. And we had some very highly credentialed doctors speaking at our event. Uh, that particular event was August thirtieth, and we had Dr. Peter McCullough. Dr. Shankar Chetty from South Africa, a guy named Dr. Daniel Stock, and a very high profile naturopath. We had very intelligent people that came to speak to share truth. And after our event, I actually had a doctor come up to me and say, man, I have never been in the presence of such intelligence. That was absolutely incredible. And then a couple of days later, I was horrified to see this hit piece that was written about us. So a guy who came to our event was a, you know, a supposed ally in the media and he just hit us with a really hard hit piece. And I reached out to him and I said, man, we are making a lot of progress, bringing truth to what's really happening. Our people are very grateful for it. And we are all very much exposed and we're actually in danger for doing what we're doing, bringing truth to this game and you know, exposing the narrative as not exactly as truthful as they would like for it to you know, be presented. Um, anyway, so I talked to the reporter and he said, listen, I'm a journalist. I've got to be neutral. I said, there's nothing neutral about the way that you presented us. You destroyed the people who were speaking. I said, you know, I provided you with bios of each of the speakers and you listed their name and then you would list just something bizarre, not in line at all with who they are, what they've done. And it was, just, it was very disrespectful on many levels. So he was overly cautious, right? What's really interesting is that a few months later, he reached out to me and said, well, I can tell you this, I am not gonna be giving my children the shots. Thank you for opening my eyes. And that's now the third reporter that has done that. Gone in with a little bit of hesitation about what we're doing, a little bit of a concern that we're maybe a little too edgy, too far out. And then afterwards they reach out and say, wow, thank you for providing information that we're not seeing. Um, well, was, they're not digging. I mean, I've been in this business for 40 years. I mean, they're not digging. That, that, that's, this is laziness or their editors are telling them, you got to drink the Kool-Aid, you got to write the Kool-Aid because we're going to publish the Kool-Aid. It's, it's, it's laziness, but I'm glad to know. Did they, change, did they change their coverage at all? Yes. So that's an interesting thing that occurred. It's been more positive since then. And really, that's what we're doing, right? We are filling the void where there is very little investigative journalism. We're filling that void by doing on Hall and the media filter by having the public right there in person listening to what our doctors and scientists present. And they're just so grateful for that unfiltered data. So, so how are the how are the local doctors reacting when you said that doctors have shown up who were you know from Delaware? 
have have they been willing to speak out now more publicly when because they they're part i mean i know doctors in this country are scared to death because if they give a prescription for ivermectin then all of a sudden they've got a complaint before the medical boards and people go after their license and they have to spend legal fees and that's part of the racket here but i mean do you have doctors that locally who are speaking out more and more so yes and no we have had doctors speak out very publicly very openly and then they were told to shut it down, no more, or you're taken out. You know, you're, you're going to be, uh, your license will be brought up for review. You'll be removed from the hospital. You'll be removed from, uh, you know, you know I would love to interview. I would love to interview those doctors and let's take on the hospital administrators and the Delaware medical boards because nobody, is this somebody that the hospital is telling them to shut up? Is this somebody connected to the medical boards telling them to shut up? All of the above. It's horrifying. So you'll love this as a quick example. Give us the list. I mean, you don't have to. Don't worry about the doctors. Just get you know get the list of the people that are doing this kind of stuff because that's that's medical coercion. I agree. They're shutting down open discussion. And what I like to say is this: if we were truly in the face of a global threat, all cards would be laid on the table, and we find the best path to make everyone better to achieve wellness. Right. But shutting down an opposing viewpoint in a time of crisis is not how you solve a problem. It's just not okay at all. Well, that's not even that. that that's only that's only one bit of the problem here. We've we've got a, a global response that's illogical. Early treatment that wasn't given. Uh, stay home until your lips are blue. Being put on a ventilator when with no uh, blood thinners when in fact you had blood clots in your lungs as opposed to fluid. Like let's let's start at the very beginning of 2020 for the early treatment, and then and then the fact that. There's, I think it was only um, Morrison, and um, was one of the few leaders in Australia that said, you know, we need we need to have an international consortium to really find out what the hell happened here that started this because everybody keeps on talking about it's going to be repeated. Well, if you don't know the origin of the first go around for a global pandemic, you know, you're not going to be able to to prevent it in the future. So, I mean, the the way this has been handled, if this were a model for a company for an offering, for an IPO on Wall Street, nobody would buy it because it doesn't solve what's happening now. And it's certainly, if you don't find out what happened here, you can't prevent it in the future. So the whole the whole model is bankrupt from the very beginning from a business point of view. What about, um, did you find a lot of men in the room? Are we have papa bears and mama bears or who, who, who's in the audience? So yeah, it's a it's a 50-50 mix, although I will definitely say that the more active uh, percentage of our group is the uh, mama bears for sure. Mm -hmm. They're very much of the mindset that it's time to protect the children, right? Just like in nature, you know, you see a mama bear out there, don't get in the middle of her and her cubs. That's true. That's true. So so let me ask you this, when because you, you, you run a beautiful art studio, we can see the art behind you. Um, you're not just, and so I want to ask you, What's people's reactions in Lewis, Delaware? Because you're out there, you're being covered, what, you're being quoted. So what do what do your contemporaries on the street say to you? So I've been a hot potato ever since the start of COVID. I refused to lock down. I, I pretty much fought the narrative early on. I just said, listen, this is this is way too much. This is not about health. This is about global control, and it's up to us to push back. So my neighbors in the downtown area, they know who I am. Uh, you know, basically one of the uh, local pillars of the opposite side said, yeah, you're not going to fix him. You're right. You're not going to fix me. This is who I am. <laughs> I can say, though, uh, go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to ask you, what's the upside of getting involved as an activist? Is this the first time you've gotten involved as an activist? So I'm going to say the upside is the spiritual dividend. Uh, the downside is for sure uh, the economic impact on my business. And that's why so few are willing to push back, right? Whether it's a doctor or an executive, you know, the idea is shut your mouth and everything is going to get better. But I personally believe, and I think you do as well, and a lot of other people do, this is a paradigm shift and the human spirit is the wild card. We've got to push back. We've got to set precedent that we're not just going to roll over because the steamroller has set precedent that they are really not concerned with our input. They've got a plan. They've got a game. And we've, we've got to push back. And you hope that when you start pushing back, you'll you'll develop a tribe and a following and uh, you know camaraderie, other people on your side. And so our team has definitely developed a following. We've got a very loyal tribe. And it's funny now because we've, we've planted a lot of seeds in the community. So I have people reporting to us that are saying, hey, listen, I went to this meeting and I presented this information. You know, we shared your information that you passed out at the last meeting with uh, some sick family members. They're doing great. So it's really fun. We call it planting seeds, whether it's in the mind of our attendees or actual seeds. We pass out, uh, you know, thought-provoking cards. We'll, we'll pass them out throughout the community, just kind of get the information out there. And that's another way of letting people know that they're not alone, whether it's road signs or, you know, thought-provoking cards we can even leave on the shelves in grocery stores or pass out to friends. Just let people know that, yes, there is, let's face it, a resistance force to the narrative. There are people who believe what you believe. There are people who believe that COVID is something we can treat early. You can stay healthy. There's no reason to change the globe for something with a 99% survival rate. It just, it doesn't justify it. It's not okay. So what are your, pl what are your plans for, for the Delaware Medical Freedom Alliance in 2022? Okay, the first event we have planned in 2022 is going to be an invitation-only event for legislators, pastors, uh, various high-level stakeholders in Delaware, executives, people we believe have a voice beyond their own and, uh, you know, can start to affect change. So we really have to get the opinion leaders on board with what's happening because if they continue to follow the game and follow the narrative, we're very concerned with where this may end up. So we've got to really, uh, you know, project our voice beyond our circle. So that's what we're looking at now. Well, you have had some senators, state senators, um, attend. I mean, the, the event that uh, Todd Wood and I and Mary Holland participated, and you had a state senator there. Do you have more people, or are they are they taking political partisanship lines? Or, or, I mean, is there any cracks in the wheel here in terms of um, the Democrats in the state of Delaware? So I have found recently that we do have some allies in the Democrat Party. And of course, it always comes back to the simple question, will they dare resist the current within their party? Will they dare to vote beyond party lines? Will they vocally say they uh, ally with the liberty movement? We'll see. You know, um, it's, it's just sad. As you know, complacency and comfort is really uh, they are the two factors that keep people from stepping out of line. Everyone's so afraid to lose their job, which is understandable. They're afraid to lose their their uh, their allies. See, I disagree with you on that. I, I, being afraid to lose your job versus losing your life is how I see it. So this okay? is if, if you if you want to lose your job or lose your child, uh, to me that you know the, 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 you don't you fight for your child. So this is what separates those of us who are in the liberty movement, like yourself, like myself, like our group. This is what separates us from everybody else. I don't think I don't think it's politics anymore. I I I I think this is this is either 
you know, I don't even know how to describe it. I, I don't think of this as being Democrat versus Republican. I think it's people fighting and realizing this is your life. You got one shot at this thing. This is this is not a dress rehearsal and you have the right to live your life. I, I, and, I, and I firmly believe that. And I think that's a difference with, you know, the CCP and, and the former Soviet Union and, and anybody was in a gulag. I mean, I firmly believe in the fight for freedom, period. And I don't, I don't care whether it's over medicine or whether it's over labor. I don't think people should be enslaved and allow anybody else to make a decision of what you put in your body uh, and being told that you must take something. It's like Bill Gates saying, oh, you're not going to be able to eat meat. Well, why does Bill Gates get to say that? Because he's got more zeros than I have? I mean, seriously, it, it comes down to Bill Gates. He's, 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 not a, he's not a doctor. He's not a scientist. He's a guy that's got bags of money that, that, that pays for other people. That's what Jeffrey Epstein did. Right. He wasn't a scientist, but he was into transhumanism. So you know, at this point in time, I think it's great what you guys are doing in Delaware. I, I, I hope you join forces with other people who are building medical alliances in other states. I mean, have you gotten any responses from, from other people? We have, for sure. We are definitely, you know, we're, we're trying to inspire people to build their own tribe. And mm -hmm. to your point a moment ago, we truly do believe this is a war between the uh, collectivist versus the individualist model. You know, the real challenge we've got, though, is that the other side, the collectivist side, truly believes the best thing you can do for society is protect people. And you really mindset. It's very hard to fight that. Right. That's that's really no, I don't think it's, I don't think I don't think it's that hard, Brax, I, because I think, you know, people it, it, people don't realize that getting a vaccine doesn't doesn't help natural immunity. And, and and when it's an mRNA, the more people study that, they're realizing that the autoimmune system can break down in some people. That's why we have vaccines injured, you know. And for the governor of Delaware to say that they don't—did he say that they don't exist? So the uh, Dr. Rote said the shots are safe and effective. There are no side effects. So there are no side effects. No side effects. They are completely ignoring all the evidence to the contrary. I'm going to follow up on that and see if we can get these, if they held a press conference, see if they'll do an interview with me, because I, I, I tend to think that, you know, that is the mantra. They're safe and effective. And then uh, Fauci and uh, Francis Collins will say, you know, it's rare. Well, it may be rare in terms of numbers, but it's not rare collectively if they're withholding information like the neurological studies, which we all know. They have not, the FDA has not published, nor has the CDC given protocols for the neurological injuries. And, and that's just a fact of life because I've seen the documents going back to at least December, 2020. That's, you know, that's a year ago. Um, so real quickly, one of the reasons I'm late to this phone call today was because I received a call from a friend whose mother went to the neurologist today because her hands were unresponsive. Her left hand was doing what she asked her right hand to do. Just all kinds of very weird things were happening. Went to the nurse and the neurologist said, so have you had the shots? Uh, the lady had had the shots and the neurologist said, this is horrifying. This is what I'm seeing. This is a classic case of what we're seeing, massive neurological events. And he's very concerned about the shots. But will he say that publicly? I don't know. So few doctors are willing to stand up and push back. I can tell you now, there must be a lot of very busy cardiologists who are just shaking their heads, maybe buying a new Mercedes, buying a new beachfront house, 
but not willing to say how busy they are, especially with younger cardiac patients where they didn't have any before or certainly had very few before. It's, it's very unsettling, truly, what's happening. Well, how old is this woman who, was it just her hands that we're having issues with? Yeah, so her hands just started going crazy and doing very weird things, involuntary actions uh, in her 70s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And did, she, did, did um, her relative mention to you which shots she had received? Uh, the Pfizer, Pfizer series. And, and did she did she get a booster or was she get it was this after the second shot? I don't know. I believe this is a result of the first two shots. First two shots. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's very, very sad to, to, to hear these injuries. I mean, it's, it's very difficult because we do pre interviews before we, we actually do the interviews with the um, the vaccine injured. And the, it's just multiple injuries for everybody we've, we've interviewed. It's just it's, it's horrific. Uh, and nobody seems to know, you know, how to address them because they're not getting any guidance and they're not getting any connection between the vaccines and the shots because the FDA has not not been forthcoming. And at some point, you know, hopefully they'll be held responsible. But in the meantime, people are getting damaged. And we've got people like this doctor in Delaware saying that these are safe and effective when it, the truth is they, they are not safe for everyone and they are not effective according to the goal of creating the vaccines, which was to prevent the transmissibility and prevent from getting COVID, which over time is now proven to be an utter failure. Brax, thanks for joining us today. Will you come back and let us know how things are going with the Delaware Medical Freedom Alliance? And you know, as you, is, is, I know, I know it's going to be exciting in 2022. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience before we sign off here? I'd say, you know, anyone watching your show is likely on our side as far as the COVID truth movement. We've really got to figure out a way to get our information out beyond our echo chambers. I think that's the biggest challenge we have. So really working on the communication skills of being uh, you know, receptive and patient with people, recognizing that, be, that they're being steered by a massive amount of propaganda. They're absolutely terrified, right? A lot of people have had their, their booster, they're still wearing masks. And so when you've psychologically damaged people and they are that terrified, it's hard to ratchet back because our megaphone is so much smaller than the mainstream media's. So really working on just gradually getting people to really think about what's happening. So we're doing our best and thanks for doing your part, Christine. Well, listen, thanks again. And, and, and Braggs, we'll see you soon. Thanks. Thank you. Bye -bye.